0: You're listening to the Gambling Gauchos, part of the Stake in the Plains content network and the Dave Campbell's Republic of Football podcast feed. Just a couple of casino caballeros talking Texas Tech, betting on the Big 12 and beyond. Now, here's Kyle Jacobson and Rob Bro live from the Cardo Sports Center studio. Ooh,
1: welcome into the gambling gauchos i'm rob bro he's kyle jacobson live tonight with kansas state expert wager talk kelly in vegas kelly how you doing
2: hey i'm doing pretty good uh excited to uh break down some big 12 talk with uh some fellow big 12 guys uh and i think you guys are going to be really happy with uh my texas tech preview
0: i think a lot of our listeners will probably be happy with your texas tech preview from the sounds of it um before we get started, I want to compliment you on your Zoom background. I think we finally found somebody that kind of rivals Rob in that respect. I've just got the backdrop behind me, but yours looks really good.
2: Uh, that's funny. I uh, I did the green screen from the work from home days, and I just got so irritated with it. Uh, my girlfriend was was moving. And this was literally her headboard, and this was like a, a nightstand, and I said, oh, I'm going to do something fun with that for my office, put some pictures up, do some some sports stuff. So it kind of just came to fruition that way. But unfortunately, uh, my new job that I'm not allowed to talk about yet is going to require me to go back to the green screen.
0: Oh, gotcha. I, I also see the Broncos helmet back there. I know a lot of probably Kansans or Denver Broncos fans. We more err on the side of the greatest quarterback to ever play the game, Patrick Mahomes and Chiefs. I know you, a lot of your Kansas State brethren are probably also Chiefs fans. So we'll try to not let that get in the way throughout the interview here.
2: Oh, you know, the my Broncos fandom, and I know we're not going to talk a lot of NFL, but I did an AFC uh, West preview last night on Wager Talk, and I just slaughtered them. I said, listen, <laughs> if Sean Payton can't turn this team around like he did the Saints, they're done for. The Waltons have already made me mad as if last year was not an absolute dumpster fire. So just like I am towards K-State, I am towards the Broncos, and that is absolutely I'm the toughest on the teams that I care most about. It's kind of like a tough love. Um, And I also think that keeping it realistic and what that team is capable of is very important as well.
1: Absolutely. All right. So we normally do these um, looking at the coaches, then the offense then the defense. Uh, What are your thoughts on coach climbing in year four,
2: five? What is he in? Yeah. So Coach Kleiman is going to be in year four. Yeah. Uh, and listen, I think what Coach Kleiman was uh, for athletic director Gene Taylor was an absolute godsend at, at North Dakota State. And he knew that uh, eventually Bill Snyder's tenure was going to run out. And this time Bill got to retire on his own, right? Like whether people want to admit it or not, uh, you know, I was living in Manhattan the first time Bill retired. I was young and in college and thought something was wrong there and whether he got pushed out, whether he got told, uh, hey, maybe this might be the time to, you know, hang it up. Either way, it was an absolute utter abomination. The Ron Prince era in Manhattan was horrific. And I still give my dad a, a ration of it because when we beat Nebraska, when I was in middle school, he would not let me storm the field he's like oh you're too young you can't you can do that when you go to college here and then by the time i got to college there k-state football was terrible and in fact they lost to ku and the mark mangino was in lawrence and it was like you know i tell him all the time when i i rushed the court uh when we beat ku when i was in manhattan last in basketball and he goes really He's like, you're in your 30s and you're rushing the corner. I'm like, I didn't get to do that when I was in college because we had Jim Woldridge. Like, you know, I I missed, I only got one year of Frank Martin. And so these kind of uh, moments are far and few in between. But I think that Chris Kleiman was an absolute perfect fit. And Gene Taylor knew that. Uh, I think he fits the culture in Manhattan. And I think he fits what K-State football was under Bill Snyder. But maybe uh, less, we'll call it uh, strenuous. You know, I've heard... Coach Snyder referred to as uh, militarized and uh, very tough to play for, which is good. I think a lot of those guys need that discipline. But I think what Kyman brings is a young, uh, a like refreshing look at it, and you can see that within his coaching staff. You know, when Scotty Hazelton left for, uh, where did he go? Sorry, I just ha- oh, Michigan State. I lost my train of thought there for a second. I was like, okay, this is not good. Our you know our defensive coordinators leave leaving year one. But in fact, some of this kind of stuff has really worked out for Kansas State. As a Kansas State fan, you know, I'm going to be honest with you guys, and KU fans make fun of us for this all the time, but my expectation levels just aren't that high. And that's because I grew up with all my family members who went to K-State in the 60s and 70s when they were just so bad that they kind of told me, listen, a nine-win season, we never thought we'd see a nine-win, ten-win season, a Big 12 championship, uh, you know, a a, a New Year's Day Bowl, all of these things that got I got to experience. And so I think I keep that with a grain of salt. I'm not going to go in and have high hopes like Texas fans do every year. It's national championship or bust. And I think that Chris Kleiman can provide that. Now, there was a, that, six win, that 6 win season where it was not a great year. Um, but I think coming into this year, I'm excited for K-State football. But I do think that if you keep your expectation levels normal – then those weird wonky losses that do happen to K-State <laughs> to Lane last year uh, don't hurt as bad.
0: I think that's great perspective. And it, it's a fun game to play as sports fans, kind of the what-if scenarios. And Rob remembers back in 2021, Texas Tech was about to host Kansas State. And the week of that game, it felt like both coaches were kind of equally on the hot seat. Um And sure enough, Texas Tech goes into that game with a halftime lead. They don't score a single point in the second half. King Felix blows up a play in the end zone. It it was a safety. It kind of changed the whole momentum of that game. Sure enough, the next day, Matt Wells is fired as Texas Tech's head coach, and Kleiman kind of turns it around to the point last year where, you know, they win 10 games, they win the Big 12. They're playing Alabama in a New Year's Six game. And you just think, you know, man, what if we had scored even just 10 points in that second half? Uh, What would the coaching situation at both schools be? And so it's cool that he has been able to kind of progress from that point where maybe it didn't start off super great. And I know we, COVID was, I guess, maybe his first or second year. Um, but then you'll add Colin Klein as offensive coordinator. And I think that went really well. And offense got a lot better as the year went on. And I've sort of heard some chatter through the offseason that they're like, you know, some of the offensive players are saying, hey, what we were doing last year is really vanilla. Like you should see some of the concepts we're working on right now. and um the the Cliff Kingsbury experiment didn't really work here at Texas Tech when we, you know, brought back our star quarterback to run the show, but seems to be working out okay at Kansas State.
2: You know, I'm not gonna say anything bad about Colin. Uh, I was very happy with Colin. Uh, even though that Baylor game cost me a 40 to one national championship ticket, that was rough. But that being said, I think this is the difference between Kleiman and Snyder. And what I really appreciate about Coach Kleiman is he makes people work for it. Whereas Snyder would have a guy leave. Um, and then he would promote his assistant. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Or his son. Or he would let guys stay stagnant uh, for several years. And I don't want to to pick on any of those particular guys. I mean, listen, if if I could half-ass do my job and get to keep it for six more years, I kind of get it, you know? But it, it, he's a, he was loyal to a fault. And I think we've seen that Kleiman is not. And I think that he really gave Colin Klein, uh Kleiman's not. I think he really gave Colin Klein the opportunity in that bowl game versus LSU. Now, LSU was down to, you know, just bottom of the barrel players, but I was on the field for that game. Those guys were still bigger. They were still faster. And I was very impressed with their second, third and fourth teams. Now, K-State went in there and they pulled out some some interesting play calls that I thought were really fun. And I said, okay let's see where Colin can go with this. But I think the best part about Kleiman is that he is loyal, but he will definitely clamp down on his guys and say, okay you're to a fault, but you're going to either have to make some drastic changes or that you're just not going to coach here. And I think the culture in Manhattan, um, not only in football, but in fact, with basketball has really been transforming over this last few years.
1: That brings us right into the offense. Uh, you talk culture. You talk um, Colin Klein. There is Will Howard really finally ready to step up and be the the next great quarterback? Can he be the next Colin Klein? Can he run the ball?
2: Can he throw the ball? Can he be the perfect Colin Klein quarterback? So this is what I'm going to say about Will. Uh, Will got a lot of flack. You know, Will was probably one of the more highly touted quarterbacks that K-State had gotten in a while. And then it was just kind of really stagnant. We didn't hear from him. Then we get, uh, you know, Skyler Thompson in the mix. Skylar comes in is electric at times, obviously was somewhat injury-prone. And then Will would come in, and it just wasn't there. It wasn't clicking. And nobody could really give me an answer as to why. So then we get uh, Martinez from Nebraska, and I'm like, let's go. This is going to be so great. And he gets hurt. And I'm going, okay, we're going to find out. And you know what I saw from Will? I saw a lot of grit. I saw a guy who's rode the bench his entire career and has still put in the work and put in the time. I think he's got the build. I think he's got the athletic ability. I think he's got the quarterback mindset. I think the only person that was holding back Will Howard was probably Will Howard. And now that that's no longer an issue, I am so excited to see what he's going to do this season. Now, granted, K-State has a tough schedule. They do get to avoid Oklahoma. But at the same point in time, this offense is going to have to be a little bit different than it was last year without Deuce Vaughn, right? Deuce Vaughn was kind of that security blanket. If you needed to, you could dump it off to him. Um, and you know, we saw Martinez really be able to go out there and run the ball. Will's just kind of a different type of quarterback. We know that he can take some of those big hits. Um, unfortunately in the TCU game, that was too big of a hit, uh, for him, but I'm excited to see what he's going to be able to do. He's got a very healthy, very experienced offensive line. I think that that is going to be a really good thing for this Wildcats team. Yes. I'd like to see a couple more guys step up in the wide receiver position since, um, you know, a couple of really key guys have been hurt, but man, offensively, I think the, the Wildcats are going to be electric at times. And that's not something I've been able to say since, you know, L. Roberson, Colin Klein. I mean, we're talking 20 years ago that you could call this offense electric.
0: I do want to push back on something you said there. You said Kansas State avoids OU with the schedule. I think really OU avoided Kansas State with the schedule because it's three out of four for Emo, if I'm not mistaken.
2: You are correct. I was just trying to give them a little bone here. I, uh, I love playing Oklahoma. Uh, and unfortunately we got to play Texas in basketball uh, and in football in Austin. And uh, we only get one game in Manhattan uh, this uh, next year. And it's just, it's not, it's not great scheduling wise. I, I really wish, you know, that the expansion would have went the correct way. Like those guys were already in the sec. Then we get the new teams in. Um, and I kind of wish they would have stuck to, maybe giving us those old rivalries so unfortunately for both teams uh they don't get to play this year but you're right I I loved getting those double digit points against Oklahoma especially Norman
0: yeah absolutely that was fun to watch as kind of a, a neutral third party I guess not so neutral I was pulling for Kansas State but um <laughs> I,
2: yeah I had to laugh as soon as I came on you guys with your Wildcats ha- hats on I was like yeah. oh they just they just want to they just want to suck up to me early
0: <laughs> no we're uh well, I don't, I don't want to say this. I was going to say they're probably our second favorite team, but we also have a soft spot for West Virginia and maybe the Cyclones, so I, I won't go oh, that far. Oh, poor West
2: but. Virginia, man.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, Neil Brown. The, yeah. Yeah, we, we're we not sure if we trust the climb. Uh, not so. sure. <laughs> we,
2: don't,
1: we don't trust the climb. Yeah,
0: we had a whole episode on that. We don't have to go there. But uh, the, the Kansas State offense, you mentioned some guys – my perception of it is they kind of they return a lot in the middle of the offense. And what I mean by that is, you know, obviously the guy behind center, Will Howard, Cooper Beebe, an All-American offensive lineman, uh, the tight end, Senate. But it's kind of on the exterior. The guys like Cade Warner, Malik Knowles, Deuce Vaughn, uh, some of the speed that could sort of make plays sideline to sideline. Um, not to say Kansas State doesn't have it, but it's not as proven as it was last year. So who are some names to watch maybe at the skill positions that if this offense is humming next year, you know, we'll kind of circle back to and say it's because of these two or three guys.
2: You guys can laugh at me because I still handwrite all my notes. Um, It's better for my brain that way. And I'll be honest with you. I do not have a single skill position player written down as a guy to watch. Um, I think that something that Kleiman did that Snyder never did was he had, you know, a close spring game. Like, for years, I remember going to spring games when I lived in Manhattan, and it was awesome because you kind of got a preview, if you will. And now we don't really get that, but neither do their opponents. So it's kind of nice uh, from that perspective. Are we going to see somebody step up? Yes, I think we will see a breakout wide receiver, but I'm not sure who it's going to be because we did have, you know, three, four guys last year. You mentioned Sinnott. Um, I think he's going to be obviously – Will Howard's go-to guy, big body tight end, is gonna is he's just so he's like such a dynamic playmaker. I do think he will have a great year. Will Brooks um, is another one that you could keep an eye on. But I'm hoping that we see, and of course, his name escapes me at the moment, and I feel bad. Uh, the kid from Junction City. Uh, running back, he was really good in high school. But because he was behind Deuce Vaughn, we only got to see glimpses of him in the Missouri game and a couple other spots. And so I'd really like to see some of those guys where they were like in that Will Howard-esque position. They've been riding the bench for two or three years because there was just such a good person in front of them. I'd really love to see some of those guys uh, stand out this year. And then on the defensive side of the ball, we'll get to, because there's a couple guys there that I think are definitely worth keeping an eye on.
0: I guess one other name that he was on the preseason Big 12 ballot uh, is a guy who's going to be relied on to at least partially pre- uh, replace Deuce Vaughn's production, but Trishon Ward at running back. So I he's listed as a senior. I'm guessing that's a grad transfer kind of situation. Uh, yes. Sounds he like is. the lean on him.
2: Yeah. And I do think that that's uh, something too that's interesting because I don't think just because you transferred in, and, and again, I'm not, you know, in these private conversations with the coaches, what they're promising kids who are transferring, but I do think that, he probably will get the nod just because that's probably why he came to K state, but it could be easily, a, you know, a Martinez situation where all of a sudden you're hurt game two or three and next it's next man up. I mean, that's in an any team. Um, so I am, I am really curious to see how this K state offense is going to evolve under Kleiman. I know, as you mentioned, the COVID year, 2020, the locker room was an absolute disaster nobody wants to talk about it. Um, And I was, you know, hearing whispers myself. It sounds like all of that has really subsided. And we've got a really good core group of guys. I don't know if you guys saw uh, the, uh, the fat, the bass fishing trip that all the linebackers took uh, together, basically like a lot of the defensive guys. I, I tweeted the picture, retweeted the picture. And I said, man, this just warms my Kansas girl heart. Cause it's, you know, these guys out there, you know, building, whether it's leadership, whether it's friendship, whatever it is. And I think that's what, k-state really does well you'll see guys that are two stars that are starting versus the guys that are four stars because the number of stars behind your name doesn't really matter once you get there you you either fill in or you kind of get pushed out especially now with the nil money uh with the transfer portal it's so easy to just leave so the quitters leave and the guys that really want to be there stay
1: that's something that climate talked about in um Big 12 media days he talked about it was a six-year senior program Um, a lot of guys staying around I think they have nine six-year seniors which is one of the most in the Big 12 a couple of those along the offensive line Um, now the offensive line at Kansas State seems to be plug and play it doesn't matter who it is but Cooper Beebe one of the guys that is going to be a standout talk about the offensive line and maybe how they won't take a step back from their Big 12 championship season
2: you know what's interesting? Because when I went to K State, I worked at uh, the, the dining hall that was called the Derb, the short for Derby Dining Hall. And I actually, my senior year of high school, I started working there. And then I worked there my freshman year as well. And I got to work with the athletic side of things. And the linemen back then were huge. I'm talking 330, like big, big guys. And that's something that I think was a Bill Snyder thing. And maybe it's just how football started to evolve as well. I mean, we're talking like 15 years ago at this point. And those guys would come in and I would have to make what they would call fat sacks. And it'd be like an apple, a banana, a Snickers, a muffin. And and that was after they ate dinner. They were required to eat that before they went to bed to put on all of this weight. And now we're starting to see these linemen that are like, 275 to 300 and they're faster and they're stronger. And that's what I think we're seeing with this lineman with K-State and why they are such a solid group. Because when you're 30 pounds lighter or 40 pounds lighter, you have less injury to your hips and to your knees. And this team is really going to be bullying the, the defensive line around. And that's what we did see last year to be able to open those holes for Deuce, to be able to give, whether it was Martinez or Howard, that extra second to make a play honestly that is going to be the backbone of this team this year and you mentioned Cooper Beebe, and I think he is going to be uh one of the captains this year as he should be but I I really feel good about that and I think the O-line gets bashed whenever the quarterback does poorly and they get no credit whenever the quarterback does well so I'll give those guys a a big like round of applause because they they do a lot of the heavy lifting for the rest of the offense. And I think that is going to be the difference maker for K-State this year. I mean, I think right now their season win total, it's not great, eight and a half, they're seven to one to win the big 12. And they're getting a lot of hype. And that for me as a fan concerns me, because usually as a sports gambler, I want to fade the hype. Um, we can talk about the New York Jets and uh, KU and all the other teams that are getting lots of love in the uh, marketplace this year. It does concern me with K-State, but I do think that they are going to live and die by this O-line. If this O-line can protect Will Howard and give him that extra second, get him that extra step, whatever that is, that's going to make or break this season.
0: Quick follow-up on that uh, in terms of like matching expectations. Did you happen to see the clip from Big 12 Media Days of us asking Coach Kleiman about going from hunters to the hunted?
2: I did. And there was a lot of K-State fans that kind of like chirped in it and uh, things like that. I did catch a a glimpse of it. I mean, it's tough with Twitter these days because it shows you only what you want to see, not what you or what they think you want to see, not what you want to see. But I did catch it. Um, And And it is, that is really what's happening here. When you win the big 12 in the way that they did, um, you know, going one and one against a really solid TCU team that kind of, for lack of better words, came out of nowhere. I did have a a 10 to one bet on K-State to win the big 12. Um, I'm not going to have one this year. I can tell you that much. I don't think that there's any value there, but there is a definite psyche change from whether or not you have the bullseye on your back or you're the one shooting the arrow.
0: That question I don't have like a follow-up or anything. I'm just letting you know some inside baseball here. That question was a direct follow-up to Sarkeesian the day before. Pointing at the logo on the Texas helmet in front of me, he's like, well, you know, we're the University of Texas, so we're going to get everybody's best shot. And like, in my opinion, that sense of entitlement is exactly what has been wrong with that program for 15 years. Or
1: longer.
0: Yeah, or longer. Uh, So I thought Kleiman's answer was a lot better. That doesn't necessarily mean they're going to have a season that lives up to the expectations, but it wasn't so like, condescending and snooty like well like yeah we're Kansas State after all so we can expect that it was like no we still got to go out there and you know any team is capable of beating us if we don't bring our best and so well I I liked his answer
2: no I think listen that's what's great about him he's a really great guy he is humble and he keeps that humility within the locker room if you there's a couple of coaches on the coaching staff that I went to college with and it's weird because like, I'd be like, man, that guy was kind of a jerk in college or that guy wasn't the greatest guy. in college." And like, now even they're buying into things and you see other things that they're doing in their lives. And you're like, oh, wow. Is this just all encompassing? And it seems like it might be. Uh, back to Texas. My my top of my Texas note says, is Texas back? I go, probably not. This team is consistently underperforming, kind of like every single one of their coaches has for the last 20 years. And that's exactly what it is because Listen, I, I'm going to say this about them, and maybe Steve has to be arrogant, maybe, but le- your, your expectation level is national championship or bust. And if you cannot do that, you are going to be hated by that fan base within three years. I, that's not enough time to build a national championship program. I'm sorry. Have, have teams done it previously? Sure. But most coaches need a consistent like four or five years to really get their own players, their own staff, and, all, and, and so forth. And Texas sets themselves up for failure, if you want my honest opinion.
0: I don't think you'd get any argument from us. All right, let's move to the defensive side of the ball.
1: Uh, you said you had some players listed. Let's start in the trenches. Who do you think will replace King Felix?
2: Ooh! That is, he's not going to be able to be replaced, at least not this year. I, I wish, I wish that I could say, "Yep, we got next man yep. up," you know. And, and if you're out in Alabama, you're out of Georgia, and maybe even if you're out of Texas, a USC, there is that next man up. That's going to be a really good question, um, because King Felix is, it, well, he's in the NFL now, so he's not going to be easily replaced. Uh, that being said, I do think the defensive line is got some issues. Not bad, but I think that they're going to have to work through some things. And that's kind of why, if you notice at Kansas State, and this is a Bill Snyder thing, you play those Southeast Missouris. You play those, uh, you know, NIUs. You play those, like, for lack of better words, very small slash cupcakes type schools so you can start to work out those kinks early on. And I think that this um, this defensive line is going to have some learning curves. And you're right. They, I don't think the goal is trying to replace King Felix. I think the goal is to try to find – the best man on the team for that job. And I don't have an answer for you on who that guy is going to be. I think that there is a real possibility that there's probably two different guys that are still fighting for that position and maybe fighting for it leading up to week one.
0: It seems like Kansas state has a guy like this on the roster every year. Like nobody knows who he is preseason, but by the end of the year, they've got some like corn fed Juco transfer. Who wears number four. Yeah, he wears like a number 46 and a cowboy collar and like all of a sudden he's all big 12. Do they have somebody like that at linebacker this year at the second level or like, because they don't have anybody on the all big 12 defensive team um, at linebacker anyway. They have somebody in the secondary. And so I'm just trying to clear. Yeah,
2: Kobe's going to be great for the secondary. If he stays healthy, uh, I think he's going to be a real leader for that defense. As far as the linebacker position goes, that's a great question. Um, There are eight or nine guys out there that I think could have a real shot at a starting position. Who should be is kind of one of those things where I think it's, again, a disservice to us as fans, but I understand why they're keeping things so hush-hush on their side of things. And that is just because it makes sense to kind of keep your opponents guessing, right? Right. And I think, you know, here in the next couple of weeks, we're going to get some answers, you know, when they name who the first team guys are, when they name who the captains are going to be. And you guys got to sit in on Big 12 Media Days. I'm very jealous of that. I only got to catch glimpses of it on on, uh, social media clips and get some texts from my friends that were there. Uh, But I would really hope, I mean, the the linebacker position uh, was, you know, called the lynch mob when I was there and kind of now gets kind of pushed to the wayside for, you know, PC purposes. But I, you'll see them every once in a while. They'll throw it up, you know, after a big tackle. So somebody's going to embrace that this year. And when they do, you're going to know it because you're going to see that big hit, uh, whether it's game one or against Mizzou, you're going to see it. And you're going to be like, yep, that's the guy. Kelly didn't have the answer for us, but now we have the answer. Um, there's, there's literally like seven or eight of those guys that I think could be plug and play um, whether it's outside linebacker. And and you know, the other thing Kleiman likes to do is sometimes move some of those guys to like a strong safety position. And it, it's kind of an interesting, like almost plug and play because those positions used to be pretty different. But in this defensive schemes that they've been running, it seems like a lot of those guys are able to move over and be able to play a position that they normally hadn't.
0: Well, you alluded to kind of your thoughts on on Texas Tech. And uh, I kind of want to, if we have time, do a lightning round of a bunch of different Big 12 team win totals, but our audience is mostly Texas Tech fans. So if you don't mind, what do you think about their season win total, seven and a half? They're, I think, about 10 to one most places to win the Big 12. Just kind of your thoughts on Texas Tech this season. You
2: guys got to shop around. Superbook USA used to be called Superbook, Westgate, Superbook Sports. They keep changing their name on me. Uh, My good friend uh, John Murray is the director over there. They got 15 to 1. So if you're in New Jersey, you're in Nevada, you're in uh, Iowa, Tennessee, Colorado, you can get way better. So make sure. I'm going to say that. You guys got to shop around because you can find better numbers. 15 to 1 to win the Big 12 was what it was this morning. I think it's worth an overbet. I really think the Red Raiders are going to be the surprise of the Big 12. Uh, Joey McIntyre, I think, did a a pretty decent job his first year. And I think – or second year. Sorry, it's going to be his third year. I think he did a pretty decent job. Now, this is kind of where I think I resonate with uh, the people in in Lubbock because it's kind of the same thing as Manhattan. You're not isolated, right? We have airplanes. We have cars. But you're kind of not really that easy. And Lawrence's big claim to fame is there. Well, we don't need an airport because we have Kansas City. Yeah, okay. But – it's not always a desirable place. There's not a lot of history as far as, you know, national championships, things like that, right? Like you guys have had good programs, you know, when coach Leach was there and you've had solid basketball teams, but it's kind of like, K-State's just a little bit worse historically, but not by much, you know, because we don't have a natty. Uh, but I think that the best thing for the Red Raiders this year is going to be their experience. They were turning 17 starters, and that's the kind of stuff I'm looking at for when I'm looking at a season win total. Okay, what is the public perception? Number one, no one's betting Texas Tech to win the Big 12, first of all. No one's looking at them. They're, they're too busy looking at Texas, Oklahoma, and oh, who won it last year? K-State. Who was in it last year? TCU. Uh, and, I, and I'm not high on Texas or Oklahoma this year. I see why they're favorites. I could see Texas winning the Big 12, but that should be the expectation. But I'm looking for those teams, just like I did with K-State last year, that can kind of come out of, uh, you know, like the ashes, if you will. Like last year was not a great year, but you know what? You sprung some upsets and some games you shouldn't have won, which is great, most notably Texas. Thank you guys for that. And I think if you guys can beat Oregon week two, yes, I love a good horns down. Uh, If you can beat Oregon week two, I have you guys as four point home dogs, which is wild. And uh, of course Tyler used to uh, play at Oregon. So this is, he's probably got this one circled himself. I think if you guys can beat Oregon week two, you guys are going to go over seven half wins. I have this team as an eight win team, nine wins. If you can beat Oregon. Um, And I really think you guys have a shot to at least attend the big 12 championship. And that's kind of the exciting part. And it, it's not a downgrade on Texas Tech. I just don't think the three at the top—that is K State, uh, Oklahoma, and Texas—are really as powerful as the number is saying. K State shouldn't be seven to one to, be, to win the Big Twelve. Like that's absolutely absurd. Ten to one, nine to one. Texas, uh, what are they? Twenty to one to win the national championship? Come on, give me a break here. Like, what are we? What are we doing?
0: Well, Sark has a long history of winning double-digit games every season, so who says they can't do it, right?
2: Uh, Listen, I think that they can win (laughs) double-digit games, uh, but let's see. Can they win the game in Tuscaloosa? They're going to be six-and-a-half-point underdogs. If you can't win that game in Tuscaloosa, you ain't winning a national championship. Maybe they can. They they had an opportunity to spring the upset last year, and I think that that was more so they caught Alabama kind of off a – one of those look-ahead spots, if you will. Alabama, you talk about arrogance. Uh, You got to be. I mean, how can you not? I mean, those those guys have just been a powerhouse for 20 years now almost.
0: Yeah, but they they haven't been good on the road for three years. And so – that game was in Austin last year. It's in Tuscaloosa this year. So, I, I, in my opinion, totally different. And if Texas does drop that one, they basically have to go 12-0 and from that point on to make the playoffs. Yeah,
2: and you know, and, listen, the committee is going to give them that, oh, it was an early season loss BS, that kind of stuff that I never like to hear. Because had K-State beaten TCU – or, excuse me, had K-State beaten TCU in November, not only during the Big 12 championship game, and they still had that loss to Tulane, you think they would have let them in the college football playoff? No. Come on. They're not. So it doesn't matter. There's always an asterisk to that early season loss, depending on what your name is prior to that. And they might give Texas a pass. Listen, on paper, Texas has a great offense, whether it's Quinn Ewers, which it looks like it's going to be, or Arch Manning. I mean, they're ready to say he's Vince Young 2.0. I haven't seen enough from him yet to even put him in that conversation. Uh, Listen, the kid's going to be great. Uh, I think he's going to probably need some time to develop, just like most Uh, kids going in especially in an environment like Austin Uh, let's see okay there's another one Texas has not won the big 12 since I was in college like I mean that's that's a while and that is and that is something that we're asking them to do they're I think plus 125 meh Oklahoma I'm sorry Venables is on the hot seat they've got they've got to win 10 games this year or they are going to riot Norman, Oklahoma. Like, they are just going to. And as I mentioned, they're going to miss K-State and they're going to miss Baylor. I liked Dylan Gabriel last year until uh, they got shut out in the uh, Red River rivalry, and I was like, all right, I'm done. I'm done with this Oklahoma team. They are a dumpster fire. That was the worst bet I made last year. But you know what? They're going to be favored in every single game except for against Texas. So that's some of the stuff that I have to look at from my perspective is what does the math say what does the eye test say? And then once you kind of get the nuts and bolts of that, you can say, okay, here's what this team should be. Is there any value? Are they worth making a bet? Plus, plus 360 to win the Big 12, that's not worth a bet to me. You're not locking my money up for 14 weeks for that.
1: you see any other value picks at the bottom half of the Big 12 for some season totals?
2: So I did take TCU under 7.5 plus 120 yesterday. Um, I think TCU is going to take a big step back. I think – Listen, they they superseded everybody's expectations last year. Max Duggan came out of absolute nowhere. Takes this team to the Big 12 championship, takes this team to the to the national championship, but then we have three starters back on offense. And they got a really, really, really tough five-game stretch there to finish out the season. Seven and a half plus one twenty. I said, listen, this team could win eight games. I could be dead wrong. But that plus 120 on the seven and a half, I was like, oh, this team just screams you know, going, going seven and five. That's just what it, it, it just screams to me here. Um, Look, when you got eight guys from last year playing in the NFL this year, that's, that's really, really hard uh, to read, like reload a team. Sonny Dykes, hey, props to him. He, he absolutely obliterated what everybody said was going to happen. And uh, I'm very happy for him, but I do think they see a step back this year. Another team that I have not bet, but I have a, a call tomorrow with a good friend of mine who's played baseball at Oklahoma State, so he gets some really good insight for me, is uh, is the Cowboys. Now, listen, it's 60-1 to 1 to win the Big 12, they're not going to be worth a bet for me. Do I think this team can win six games? Sure. Uh, they had a lot of turnover, but I do love me some Mike Gundy, and I think that that is something that is worth a win in itself. Gundy is going to win a game they're not supposed to win. He does it every single year. Now let's just hope they don't lose a game that they absolutely should win. Uh, let's see. Every single game. Here you go. There's a good stat. They could avoid Texas, TCU, and Baylor. And every single one of their games that I have lined is under a touchdown. Every single one. So we're looking at a one-score game for the entire schedule. I think Gundy's going to pull a couple games out of there that maybe he shouldn't have won. Uh, so I do have them circled to keep an eye on. Their regular season win total. Uh, I have not bet this either, but KU man, seventy to one to win the Big Twelve. Everybody is just wanting to thinking they're going to reload. You got Jalen Daniels with an Apple Watch around his neck. I don't know if it was a real chain or not, but that was an Apple Watch playing highlights of himself versus Tennessee Tech. I mean, listen, they they did uh, you know put up a big fight against Texas, which is pretty standard. But listen, Lance Leopold, great guy. Uh, Last year they won one, one Big Twelve game. They're going to be dogs in every single game, but two. But what they do have is five Big Twelve home games. And uh, you see, I see a lot of pandering. I'm friends with tons of KU fans. You see a lot of pandering for people to buy season tickets. You see a lot of people, you know, saying, "Hey, we need to go." Looks like they have two Friday games, which is really strange in itself. Um, hoping they'd probably get more people there, but now you're competing with high school football in the region. It's going to be tough for them. I, I probably won't end up taking their season win total under Uh, because sometimes you can be a little biased as a fan. I'd like to think that I'm past that point in my life, but I'd really have to have somebody else convince me to take that under. I think that they can win six games and go to a bowl game. Sure. Season win total is five and a half. Eh, probably a pass.
0: Kelly, you got, you kind of got your big break in the industry. Correct me if I'm wrong by hitting a parlay with a few pretty big money line underdogs and there's a reason I didn't tell you this at the outset. Cause I didn't want you to hang up on us, but uh, Rob kind of invented this bit when we started the podcast a couple years ago, he called it the all chalk money line. Can't miss parlay. And it started oh, like, God. yeah, no. Yeah. This is, it's, it gets worse. Um, it started with like six legs or seven legs. And then we would try to get it like as many legs as possible and just getting the total payout to like even money. So, I think the pinnacle was like a 21 leg all truck money line, can't miss parlay for like plus 105.
1: Like oh every game, like...
0: yeah, it's terrible. Um, and so, if you want, you can kind of describe your betting philosophy and maybe whatever you're allowed to share with us about your next professional venture. I think our listeners would be curious on both accounts.
2: Well, i going to do some big things at Wager Talk. I can tell you guys that I'm uh, going to bring back a, a very well-known podcast that I used to do with a former bookmaker. Uh, so that's going to be very exciting. I can share that with you guys because I literally got an email about it uh, 20 minutes before the show. So I was very excited. Actually, he may be drunk at an at a Orioles game right now and not even know. I sent him a screenshot of the email, and he didn't reply. Uh, so I'll, I'll wait to release that, but I'll say that here. I'm very excited for this football season. My parlay will be back. As far as my gambling style goes, I think that this is kind of maybe where I'm, like, in this weird place, right? So I'm a gambler. I've been a gambler since I was a little kid. Like, I'm talking rolling dice with my dad. He, t- he would play blackjack against me for, like, my change in my crown royal bag. Like, he taught me how to play five-card stud and Texas holder. I mean, I'm, like, a little kid, and I'm over here, you know, doing all this stuff with him, like, eight, nine years old. And, you know, my 21st birthday was on Thanksgiving, so all my friends were – With their family, and my dad goes, let's go to the casino. And you know, we went to the Maristar in Kansas City for my 21st birthday and played blackjack. And it's kind of one of those things. So Vegas just kind of came natural to me. But the sports gambling stuff really didn't take fold until I moved to Vegas, and that's just because there, there really wasn't that culture where I grew up. Um, You know, a a lot of people are like, oh, was your dad a bookie? Oh, did your dad gamble? And I'm like, no, nobody really did. I mean, we knew about lines and we knew about, oh, this team's projected over that team. But it was like in a newspaper. I mean, I remember a guy, I worked at Kites. His name was Sage and he would have his like USA Today, I'm guessing it was. And it would have all the lines and he'd be there on Saturday morning and he'd be like calling in his bets. And that was like the closest thing to gambling I had until I moved to Vegas and I, you know, made some friends out there, and then I like, come into the sports book because I always love sports. So I think my gambling philosophy really comes from me having to learn the hard way, me spinning way, way over my head, uh, not using bankroll management, not being responsible. And so I think that's why I harp on people so much. Like I don't mean to be like the old Karen of of gambling, but I see so much on social media where I'm just like oh my God, you know, other places where I've been before where guys are laying, you know, minus 10,000 bets, you know, laying 10,000 to win $1,000. And I'm just like, oh my God, because I've seen that before. I mean, you know, I worked in the nightclub industry. There was a a guy in Vegas that was giving out those types of parlays. And one of my girlfriends tailed it. And I looked at her and she's like, oh my God, it lost. She goes, these aren't supposed to lose. I go, yeah, well, Alabama does lose. And that was when they lost to Johnny Manziel in in Texas A&M. And she was physically ill. They were 14 and a half point underdogs. And she goes, you have to help me get my money back. And I'm like, do you know how long it's going to take me to get your money back? Like, if we do this correctly, it's going to take the entire season if you're lucky. And I think that, so for me, I've kind of tried to figure out how I'm going to like still be fun and entertaining, but also like, hey guys, this is serious. Like nobody wants to be homeless. Nobody wants to not be able to pay their bills or things like that. And, And that is the dark, ugly side of gambling. So like my base that I made when you were telling me about Rob's parlay is because of that. I actually created this parlay with another girlfriend uh, because of what happened to my friend that night. And I said, there's got to be a better way to do this. Like we should be looking for big plus money, those big scores, right? So 99.9% of what I do is betting teams against the spread, right? And I've written whole blogs on this. I've explained it and I'm going to do it again uh, to start this football season, because there's always new people following along. But I think that knowing that 99.9% of your bets should be straight bets is number one is key. Number two, if you are betting parlays, you need to be realistic. You're setting your money on fire. And if I hit one of those a season, I hit two uh, a couple years ago. And I hit zero last year, and I was just telling a guy on Twitter I hit uh, zero in 2018. But I hit one in 2013, 14, 15, 16, 17. Those pay for themselves. They're entertainment, right? We almost hit one last year. Uh, Will Levis couldn't get it done for us at Old Miss, unfortunately. But we had a shot. And Illinois went into, you know, Wisconsin and beat them. Those types of things happen every single Saturday. And that's why I think I'm so passionate about college football. So that's really what I'm doing. I'm betting, you know, three, four units against the spread. I'm betting a half unit on the money line. And then I'm taking another half unit and I'm, throwing it together in like a fun parlay that pays 40 to one. And if it hits, awesome. And if it doesn't, it's not going to make him, make or break me over the long term. And I think that everybody's kind of got to establish what they're capable of, right? There's some guys that like will send me 50 cent parlays and, you know, other people are clowning them in the comments. And I'm like, but that's what his risk, that's what he's willing to risk. And I think that that's important is figuring out how to mitigate your risk like you would a stock portfolio, Right. So I opened up my, um, my Coinbase and I saw that like something was in the dumpster fire. And I was like, God, I just want to hit sell. And, I, and, you know, you just want to like sometimes just cash out because you're like, this is just going to keep getting worse. And then two days later, I open it back up and it's back up, you know, 85 more dollars. And that's kind of the roller coaster ride of stocks, crypto and sports gambling. You want to be able to withstand the long haul. I, I said this on the action documentary. You want to be able to live to bet another day. I am, I have tons of degenerate, like blood running through me. I will get drunk in Vegas and go put a hundred dollar chip on black on the way to dinner, because that is like the type of behavior that somehow gets your juices flowing. Right. But if those are one-offs here and there, and you don't consistently do that, it's fine. But it's those guys consistently weekend over weekend betting more than they can withstand for the long haul. And it's not for everybody, but I, I can attest uh, I have made some really bad decisions over the years and I've had to learn from it. And that's kind of what it is. And so if Rob, Rob enjoys doing those, let's say he throws 10 bucks on it. Fine. Now, if you told me he's throwing thousands of dollars on 21 leg parlays, we should probably have an intervention.
1: No, 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 no. I don't need a hotline I'm hanging out.
2: One, <laughs> hundred, the fun stops here, the pamphlet in Vegas. Every time I see that, I'm like, Okay. It's not fun. You're right. I just lost $500 on the blackjack table. I hate this life. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's tough, but it's ebbs and flows. And if you are willing to lose it and you can still pay your bills and you can still go about your life, then I have no qualms with it, but it's the guys that, you know, you hear these horror stories and you're going, how did they get there? And it's because of lack of discipline, really.
1: All right. Where can the people follow along and, uh, catch your journey?
2: Yeah, you can find me over at wagertalk.com. I will be there all football season, and then uh, I will have a new home here shortly once the uh, signature gets uh, done. I'll let everybody know. You know, fun stuff, agents in the works. They do all the, the heavy lifting for me so that I don't have to. And it doesn't make me look like a bad guy when I say I need more money. Uh, all <laughs> jokes aside, I will be uh, all over Twitter, Instagram, and I'm going to work on TikTok. I think that's actually where I'm going to release my three-team parlays to start. And then, of course, I'll put them on Twitter and Instagram as well. But I got to work on this. Uh, you guys, I'm too old for TikTok. I keep saying that, but it, it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And uh, I guess if you don't adapt, you die. So I'm gonna I'm going to work on that.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining us. We we enjoyed the conversation, and I think besides one Saturday in November, we'll be pulling for the Wildcats most most weekends.
2: I love that, and uh, I'm obviously going to be pulling for Tech at least to get eight wins, and uh, I may end up sprinkling on them at fifteen to one to win uh, the Big Twelve. It's it's going to be an interesting year in Lubbock. I'm excited for you guys. Uh, you know those those little those little like touchdown home dogs just. They're just right in my wheelhouse. So you guys will probably make a parlay or two this year for sure.
0: Let's go. We'll Love that. All
1: right. Thanks, Kelly.
2: Hey, you're Thank very you. welcome. Have a great night, guys. You too. Bye. All
1: right. That was uh, Kelly in Vegas. Hey, by the way, Kyle, we're in the uh, Cardinal Sports Center studio. I didn't say that at the top of the show. You did. Did I?
0: Yeah. It just comes so natural to you. You didn't even realize oh, it.
1: Man. Uh, MyCardinalSports.com if you want to gear up for the next Texas Tech game or – you want to go by and uh, maybe check out some Lubbock Matadors gear or gear up for the next Air Raiders game, which is going to be on Friday because they uh, won in round one.
0: They sure did. And I, I want to talk about that. But real quick, while it's top of mind, uh, something Kelly mentioned while we were just chit-chatting back and forth before recording was that she's a huge fan of Rahino Barbecue. She said, like, I go to Lubbock every year just to get Reno Barbecue. Uh, so, she knows, and the people know, at Rehino BBQ on social media, RehinoBBQ.com. They're back up and running as of July 21st? Tomorrow. Yeah. Tomorrow. Okay. Um, so head out there to Olton. Tell them the Gaucho sent you, and they'll say, sweet. And uh, that'll be the end of that. But also if you're making plans to come back to Lubbock for football season, Make sure you make time to have some Regino barbecue. You will not be disappointed it is the best barbecue in West Texas.
1: Oh, uh, Daniel brings up a good point. At Cardinals, you can go to the Joey McGuire signing next week.
0: Boom. We'll
1: talk about more of that on uh, Sunday. I think I'm going to try to go to the – so the – they're serving food this weekend, and then I guess the market opens next Wednesday. I'm going to try to go down there for the market opening. I think that'll be a good time for every hino. We're mixing ad reads right now.
0: I wish I could be there. You
1: can. You can just come down, man. We'll see. <laughs> Fair enough. Hey, after it might be difficult.
0: This isn't an ad read, but shout out to Big Hen. I'm sure he's loving this episode. He he loves when we talk about Kansas State and other Big Twelve schools. So Chase says he
1: just got here. Start over. Well, we uh, cut loose the guests, so you'll have to re-listen to her. Um before. She did say uh Joey McIntyre once, but honest mistake. McGuire McIntyre, same thing.
0: She she at least knows about him. She didn't get the name right, but she, she's familiar with what he's doing in Lubbock, and that's the important thing.
1: Yeah. And she's uh betting on Texas Tech, which we love to see.
0: I'm not sure how I feel about this op and Barbie thing that Collier made for us. <laughs> What's funny
1: is it's absolutely the opposite.
0: Well, he got the meme backwards, too. I think you're supposed to start with Barbie. Yeah. Or...
1: What I'm saying is I would be the one to buy the Barbie ticket and you'd be the one to uh, watch a historical movie. Yeah, probably so. Anyway. With your Wikipedia fascinations. Have you read up on Oppenheimer or Project
0: Manhattan? No, whenever there's like a documentary or a movie, I don't want to have it spoiled by reading, so I... I do my reading binge after watching the movie or the TV series whatever on whatever media I'm consuming.
1: I did a school project on the Manhattan project in like 5th grade. But I uh Emilio Is there is there an Emilio in connection to the Manhattan project?
0: You told me you're the one who did the 5th grade school fifth grade. project That's on a it a time ago. Yeah.
1: We're running up on 20 years, probably. Longer than that. Good grief. Long time. Ago. Not Estevez. No, Slimson. Not Emilio Estevez. Emilio! All right. What are we doing? Right, is the episode over? Are we doing some more? we doing no. a man-back?
0: No, we have a hodgepodge.
1: Okay. We got uh, basketball scheduling.
0: Are you hearing the echo? No. Do you listen to our episodes after they're. No. You should listen. Um, Is anybody else hearing an echo? It It's on like Apple Podcasts whenever we post an episode. Well. To the Dave Campbell's Republic of Texas, Republic of football. Republic of Texas rolls off the tongue so easy for me. I'm going to butcher that if you let me do it. So I, sh- I should let you do the Dave Campbell's, but I ruined that enough. But anyway, Dave Campbell's Republic of football. Um. Have you finished The Quarterback yet on Netflix? I did today. I finally
1: finished it. Very good. That eighth episode all about uh, Patrick Mahomes, and they stuck that Kirk Cousins singing bit into the middle. But it was a good time. I also thought it was funny. He was um, so so <laughs> so mad about not getting invited. <laughs> Why would you not invite the Vikings to the, uh, the NFL Honors? I don't, know. I don't
0: know what the normal criteria is.
1: Well, seemingly, if you have the biggest comeback ever and you go 13 and three, you probably get an invite if you're Kirk Cousins.
0: Did you agree with everybody else that watching that made you like Kirk Cousins more? Yeah, I was. I mean, I'm pretty
1: indifferent on Kirk Cousins, but uh, yeah, I, I have a new respect for him that he goes out there. I, I thought him moaning. That entire game when he hurt his ribs was annoying, but when you hurt your ribs, it's hard to breathe, and I get it. It's just mic'd up, moaning was a little annoying.
0: As somebody who roots for the Vikings, my takeaway wasn't like, oh, wow, that was – everybody watching was like, oh, wow, Kirk Cousins, that's awesome, but I didn't get that vibe, and so I don't know what I'm missing there. Well, you already knew it,
1: I'm sure. You'd already followed and been around it and watched the press conference, and I think it was just new for a lot of people. Maybe, and I'm sure a lot of people are, especially around here, uh, excited that he's a Christian and family man and all that stuff.
0: Let's talk about Patty Ice.
1: Patrick's got a mouth on him. Only, only between the white lines, though. Only between the white lines. Yeah. Interesting.
0: And while there's time on the clock.
1: When there's time on the clock, yes, he's very respectful after the game. He's called uh, he calls the quarterbacks "yes sir" and "dog." Yeah. I noticed he didn't drop a dog to Tom Brady, just did the yes, sir.
0: That was one of my favorite things to see was, like, they were hyping up that regular season matchup with Joe Burrow, and they're like, he's 0-2. They knocked him out of the playoffs last year. and Like, you know he hated losing that game. Like, you saw how competitive he is. You can already assume how competitive any guy in the NFL is. And, like, I'm telling you, Rob, I don't have it in me to, as soon as the clock hits zero, to just, like, walk across and be like, hey, man, great job. I'd be like, stewing you know real mad and so he loses to joe burrow and says all the right things like hey man good job good luck the rest of the way out exactly what you're supposed to do and then when the script is flipped in the playoffs and he beats joe burrow for the first time to go to the super bowl same deal he's not like taking laps around the field high five same deal like goes up to joe burrow hey man great job good luck next season i respect you i don't know how he does it to flip the switch like that to go from like, holy crap, we just I just led us on the game-winning field goal drive to go to the Super Bowl to beat this team that we're 0-3 against, that I know he wanted to beat badly. Uh, I don't know how he can do it. And he even said, you know, this is, this is an area where Patrick Mahomes and I are very much alike. But you might recall during the NFL playoffs last year, you asked me who I wanted the Chiefs to play in the AFC Championship game. And I said, almost verbatim, I was like, I think the Bills – are not as good as the Bengals, but I want Pat to beat Joe Burrow. And his dad asked him the same thing the night they got home from the divisional round. He was like, who do you, who do you think is going to win? And he said – he was like, I think the Bills will win. He goes, but I want to play, play Joe Burrow. And so, I mean, I kind of figured that was his mindset, but that he, like, said that on camera I thought was pretty – I don't know, yeah. just kind of being willing to put it out there.
1: Joe Burrow was a little rent-free there in the middle of the season.
0: Kind of, but, dude, that montage they showed of, like, the Cincinnati mayor. Like Oh, man. I mean, it was bad at the time, but looking back, you're like, why did y'all poke the bear like this, calling it Burrowhead? And, like, you know, I'm formally issuing a proclamation as the mayor of Cincinnati that a paternity test must be issued of, like, guys, like, so- do this after the game if you want, but I don't know what the hell you think you're doing pissing off the greatest player who's ever laced him up like that.
1: And it's just corny. All of it was corny. Yeah. But it is what it is. It happened. So,
0: yeah. So that was cool. Um, Mariota just kind of like pieced out for about three episodes there. And he, the Vikings I lost.
1: You, I forgot he I just left the team. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going
0: to go. Three. <laughs> Vikings lost in the first round. So then it was just all about Pat. Yeah. Um, what else did they – oh, so Pat and uh, Max Crosby was funny because, you know, they're yeah. in the same division, so they play twice. And we saw that clip on social media before watching the series. Of It was just Mahomes throwing the touchdown to Kelsey. But you get a little more context in the TV show, and I, I guess we'll offer a spoiler alert here. But, um, like, all game – well, let me actually backtrack a little bit further before I say this. I have a newfound respect for – quarterbacks getting hit in general. And I was one of those fans that, and I do think they go overboard sometimes, but on some of these roughing the passers, I'm like, what is that? Like, we're just playing football here. But when you hear those hits mic'd up and you see how defenseless they are when they're in the throwing motion or having just completed the throwing motion, you're like, yeah, like that's extremely dangerous if they just let these guys get bulldozed like that. Um, So anyway, you know, Max Crosby, doesn't get called for roughing the pass on any of these, but he'll just, like, screw with Mahomes after the play, just, like, shove him, give him, like, a little – Mahomes called it a punch. It's not, like, a close fist punch, but it's sort of, like, jabbing him. And Mahomes, like, turns around, he's like, come on, dude. Like, And he says he's like, dude, I put up with a lot, but, like, don't do that shit. Um, and so, anyway, they were – I guess there was a late hit in that first game. I mean, no, maybe it was the same. It doesn't really matter. But the Chiefs are down, like, 17-0. Mahomes throws a pass. You noted, Rob. It's just, like, caught at the line of scrimmage. Like, it's not a great throw. And then Kelsey makes a play. And, <laughs> of course, Mahomes gets in his face. And This is when that I'm here meme was born. But he's like, I'm here all day. I'm here all day. I'm here all day. And then gets, like, right up in Crosby's face. Crosby headbuts me. He's like, you woke up the wrong mother. And just, like, screaming this at him over and over. And like Penalty flags fly. And for a guy that, you know, we don't see that. You only see like the post game interview, or once he's back on the sideline, guy who's usually calm, level headed, humble. You're just like, holy cow! Like he can get
1: yeah, apologizing for Travis Kelsey cussing in the post game.
0: Yeah, but you're like, man, he can get pissed off if you just like yeah, you know, kind of shove him after the play. Not not like a dirty hit, not not getting taken to the ground, but just he got fed up with Crosby, told him to stop. Crosby didn't stop, and so told him he woke up the wrong mother effer and then they, they played again, and I thought this was so so funny, because Mahomes didn't even mean it like this, but um, this was when Crosby got penalized. He, like, hit him in the helmet as he was trying to, like, swat yeah. the ball or tackle him, and um, they called a flag, and uh, so after the game, it, Mahomes finds Crosby, he's like, hey, man, like, all love, good game, like, uh, you know, no beef, and he goes, have a good offseason, or, <laughs> like, enjoy the offseason, yeah. and he he meant it sincerely, like because it was it was week eighteen. Um,
1: was well, like, thanks, man. Like,
0: <laughs> yeah, and it, it was just like a a legitimate. Hey, the Raiders aren't going to the playoffs, so like, enjoy the offseason, get healthy. But yeah, that's what like fans say to each other when you knock somebody out of the playoffs. Like, oh, enjoy the offseason. You know, Cancun on three, and so it was like very subtle. He wasn't trying to do it at all, but I I thought that was really funny.
1: My favorite line besides anything from Patrick Mahomes. Was Kirk Cousins in the 33 point comeback against the Colts? And he's 33 nothing. And uh, coach is trying to talk to Kirk Cousins, and Kirk's like, not, not having it. He's like, hey man, don't get frustrated. Kirk rips off his of helmet, goes, oh, I'm getting frustrated, <laughs> like a movie line.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm getting frustrated. But he that, that also, too. He, he quoted Margaret Thatcher like episode one, he was yeah. like talking about learning how to take criticism. He was like, there's this quote I love from Margaret Thatcher that, uh, you know, if my haters saw me walk on water, they would be mad that I can't swim or something like that. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I Kirk Cousins. It, I also – I sort of got this vibe watching the Vikings last season with Kevin O'Connell that he was kind of – I don't know, that he talks to these adults, professionals like a high school coach – and, you know, just, like, all these stupid cliches. I, I sympathize with cousins there. Like, we're down 33-0. Don't come tell me, like, hey, man, go give it your best and, like, one play at a time. And like, I know the coach speak. That doesn't help me in the moment. Yeah. But that's, that's not just O'Connell in the press. Like, that's how he is on the sidelines, in the huddle, in the games. And that would annoy me. It's like being teammates with Russell Wilson. I just find that so corny. And I, I would just roll my eyes all the time at a guy like Russell Wilson or Kevin O'Connell. And so I don't love that, since that's the team I root for. Like, I wish I could vibe with the coach a little bit better. And maybe it was his first year as a head coach, so maybe he'll learn to kind of take a different approach. And they won a lot of games last year. They had a good offense. But I'm just like, man, yeah, if I was Cousins right here, I would be annoyed at the head coach too.
1: I got that vibe from Mariota, that he wasn't a – he didn't have very good command of the team. It was all just platitudes and stuff he said before, which worked at Oregon, but – You can't really command an NFL offense like that.
0: Well, it's tough. And this is what I liked about the three quarterbacks they picked. They picked the greatest player to ever play the game. Cousins, who's like an above average, he's a good quarterback, but not at the level where he can just carry a team through the playoffs. And then you've got basically like a a rental with Mariota. And, uh, you know, I don't know if it was Mariota and his camp sort of in denial, but they're like, oh yeah, we know we were free agents and, you know, trust the coaching staff here and, He's making it sound like, oh, this is our career move. We want to go be the franchise quarterback of the Falcons. But every outside observer is like, no, they drafted Desmond Ritter. They're going to play you for 10 or 12 games, see how it goes, and then bench you, uh, unless y'all are in the playoff hunt. And that's exactly what happened. And he seemed caught off guard by it. But it's like, dude, I mean, everybody outside your bubble knew that was going to happen. Yeah. And so I think it's hard to have command of the team when, like, everybody knows that. So I don't really fault him for that. It's really just kind of the circumstance he was in. But I liked him a lot too. I thought he's always been kind of kind of a quiet, you know, maybe shy, awkward guy. But I I liked his foundation work and yeah, you know, even though he had no ties to Atlanta, it's like as far as he can get from home, like he still wanted to do the foundation work and like give back to the community, even if he was only there for one year. So I, I came away from it like in Mariota a lot. Yeah.
1: And they all uh they were all similar off the field, yeah. I thought, which was it's good to see. They gotta get some single guy next year. Who would you who would you want? Uh I, I want some nightlife. Of course, maybe none of the quarterbacks are doing that anymore,
0: but Yeah, I really don't think you can if you're a starter, but I, I was kind of struck by that too, just how normal their yeah. lives were. Like obviously they have a nicer house than all of us, but besides that, it was like these guys and their wives are just extremely normal people. It's kind of weird. Um, I want to see Jordan Love. I think the component of taking over for a legend, getting you know your first couple starts in your career is is unique. I think one of Allen or Burrow trying to get past Mahomes makes a compelling storyline. Um, I'm trying to think of who a good third one would be that that offers a, another unique angle. Maybe a uh, rookie. Is there a
1: rookie going to start this year?
0: Maybe Anthony Richardson with the Colts.
1: Yeah, maybe so. Um.
0: C.J. Stroud with the Texans. But t- to me, that's too similar to the Jordan Love.
1: Yeah, first-time starter.
0: Um, I would look for another kind of middle – maybe like Dak Prescott, like a guy who has a career but is in the spotlight playing for America's team. Yeah,
1: bro Dak, third level is uh, Jordan Love.
0: Yeah, I think something like that would be cool. Um, I thought Geno Smith a year ago, in hindsight, would be cool. Uh, yeah. Since he's already won NFL Comeback Player of the Year, I don't know if that's as compelling this time. Um. So, yeah, I'd be cool with those three. That would make for an interesting follow-up. You don't want Russell Wilson? God, no. I I won't watch if it's Russell Wilson. That's just – it's unbearable to me. Skip those sections. I mean, I I don't know how his teammates do it. Yeah. Mr. Unlimited. (sighs) It's like four things. It's Mr. Unlimited, Broncos country, let's ride. Let's win today. Let's win today. Let's win today. Be great. Be great. Be great today. Be great today. And then some other corny – not like I—I I would get so sick of that after one practice with him. I can't imagine sitting in like film, having to be in the huddle with him, having to be on the sideline with him after a drive. I would just my eyes would roll out the back of my head. Fair and on. I'm not—I'm not spending my free time watching eight hours of that on Netflix either. I just—I can't do it.
1: No. No, I wouldn't do it either. Uh, Derek Carr, we get in the comments. No. Daniel's a huge Derek Carr fan, though.
0: I don't want to see the, the journeyman anymore. Like, I mean, I, I thought Mariota was fine, but I don't want to see Derek Carr or – Where's Carr? New Orleans? Yeah.
1: I think Dak. I think Dak would be great because it's the Cowboys.
0: I, I think Baker Mayfield would be compelling.
1: I almost said Baker earlier and then you said Dak. Baker Mayfield would be compelling for sure. If he can hold on to the job. They're going to be – they're going to be not good. How the mighty have fallen. At least they got their Super Bowl.
0: Another thing – another thing with Mahomes is he's certainly kind of a freak of nature athletically, and, like, some of that he was just born with. But what I didn't realize is that some of the training he does is intentional in terms of, like, having to make all those off-balance, weird angle throws – And they were talking about basically like his rotation around kind of like the axis of his body, his spine, that like he can whip left, he can whip right. And I think with base like within 3% of the max strength on both sides, he can swing a bat right-handed and left-handed. And that's not normal, especially with quarterbacks that are all right-handed. You know, they're way more explosive swinging with their right arm than left. And so the fact that he trains for that and they say like, okay, like do a 180 on your left foot and throw, uh, you know, this heavy medicine ball or something makes him able to go out on the field and contort his body and all this stuff. So that was cool that he, yes, he's naturally gifted, but he also trains for that. And that's why you can make plays that nobody else is capable of making. Art, what'd you think of the Big 12 schedule matrix?
1: We were talking about it just a couple of days ago. It's going to be five home and home, and then four home, four road, to equal 18 games.
0: Yeah, the the five home and home was about as expected, without or with the exception of UCF. But uh, as I was thinking about it, like the the three teams that make sense for UCF is West Virginia, Cincinnati, Houston. But if they've got five partners, they there's bound to be some kind of misfit. I, I kind of like it. And here's why I think in year one of the Coach Gas era, you need Big Twelve wins, and they're gonna be the worst team in the Big Twelve in all likelihood. So it's not a rivalry, it's not a regional game. I know why people would rather have Houston or Oklahoma State or, you know, whichever whoever you view as like the closest rival who didn't make that matrix. But I think you can go two and overs UCF. I think if you can go five and five total with that, with those home and homes, steal one on the road, and then so the four you have at home that you don't have away are Kansas, Kansas State, Cincinnati, and BYU, I think. If you can steal one against one of the Sunflower State teams, you can go three and one in that stretch, five and five in the home and homes, and then just win one on the road against West Virginia, um, Oklahoma, who else do you go on the road for? Uh, Iowa State and Houston. If you can steal one of those, go three and one in the home games and then five and five in the home in a way, you can get to nine and nine and hopefully make the NCAA tournament. So I really didn't have any gripes. To me, it um, it looks like a all things considered favorable schedule, as favorable as it can be against just an absolute gauntlet and meat grinder.
1: I like that you play Houston at least once. I wish it was a home and home. Um, and I love the Kansas and love it. Those are my two highlights.
0: Yeah, I mean, looking at it, if if Texas and Baylor are pretty good, Kansas and Kansas State, you figure will be pretty good. Um, you know, you're looking at at least four games there in Lubbock that should be against ranked opponents, potentially top fifteen type opponents. You figure Houston will probably be ranked. That's a road game. Um, Iowa State, West Virginia would have a chance to be in that conversation. So, you're gonna have opportunities on the road to get. You know, it's going to be a lot of quad one games on the road, like it always is in this conference. Um, and then, yeah, there's some teams kind of in the middle there, like OU, Oklahoma State, Cincinnati, BYU, that I'm not really sure what to make of yet. And I guess you're probably in that same category. So who knows which games right now don't appear that tough or do appear tough that wind up not being that way. Uh, but, yeah, I think, it, I think it's a manageable schedule, given that you're in the best conference in the country. And, yeah. Um, Mostly kind of kept the the primary regional rivalries intact in terms of the home-and-home. Like I said, UCF is kind of weird, but somebody was bound to kind of get stuck with them since they've only got three schools further east east of I-35, I guess.
1: And you play everybody once, which I'm a fan of. Uh, You don't miss anybody. Right. So I like that, too. And then I guess next year you'll play six home-and-home, and then I don't you know, I don't know how that would work.
0: Dude, let's see here. Home.
1: Eight home and home would be sixteen. You need to get to twelve. You have six and six and six. Whatever it is, six, three,
0: three. It, it'll be seven and four if you're at twelve teams. So seven home and two. home gets you to fourteen, and then two, two. Four two, gets you to two, eighteen. Eight. assuming they stick with an 18 game, which is pretty standard. Uh, So by then you'll have a majority of the conference home and home and you you should have all those Houston, Oklahoma state, TCU Baylor, you you know, you would think I would imagine they'd probably give you BYU in that instance, just because you're out West. Yeah. Um, Like you're more likely to be BYU's home and home than UCF. They're not going to make them travel all the way out there. So. And I
1: guess that would be on a two year rotation. So once you get to 12, you'll be – these these two will be home this year, road next year, and then they'll flip it around in two years and you'll get another section.
0: Yeah, so you would still – even if like Kansas isn't part of your seven protected, you would still go to Allen Fieldhouse and they would still come to Lubbock every other year.
1: Yeah, and then the next year or the next two years, they might be one of your protected
0: ones. Oh, you think they'll switch that up?
1: Yeah, maybe so. I would, I would prefer that. Of course, with more expansion, you never know if you're going to have, I don't know, Colorado or Yukon or Arizona in the mix in the next three years anyways.
0: Right. That would make it really fun.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you see how you can schedule with 14. And if this is something you want to do and you have 14 teams still in two years, then you go right back to this and it's manageable. All right, what other hodgepodge do you have over there, Kyle? Want to talk Air Raiders?
0: I do. Um, I also want to talk about prospect football prospect who committed, I think, the day we recorded our last episode uh, preview in Baylor with Shahan Raja, um, Didn't get a chance to talk to him but or talk about him, but I think it's worth mentioning the 2024 recruiting classes. It seems like they're putting the – Final touches on this, you might have room for a couple more guys. But the defensive back room, I think the four or five guys you've gotten are all 6'1", 6'2", or 6'3". And you added another one of these guys. His name is Malika Scarra out of Killeen. Six foot three. And I'm going to give some context to these times, but just like James Blanchard likes, he's a track guy. Um, last season, so when he was a sophomore, spring of his sophomore year, he ran a 14.37 110-meter hurdles and a 38.6 300-meter 300 hurdles. Now, Colleen Shoemaker is his high school, They're 5A here in the state of Texas. Um, you know, I'm sorry, I misspoke. This was his junior season. He's about to be a senior, so this is his junior track season he ran those times. At the 5A level in Texas, only two juniors – ran a faster 110-meter hurdles time than Escara, And same with the 300 hurdles. He was the third-fastest guy at 5A among juniors in the state. But here's the kicker. He's young for his age. He basically should be a sophomore. And so if he ran these times as a sophomore, I don't want to misspeak, so let me look this up, but he would be, like, one of the fastest guys in the country – with an all-district football performance in a 5A district in Texas and with six-foot-three measurables. So I think if he were a sophomore, he would have been, I don't know, probably a high-end four-star prospect as a safety. So he's probably not getting the credit he deserves here uh, just because he's young for his grade. But seems like the prototypical athlete that they're courting that we're going to get you on campus, we're going to get you to the right weight, and after a year or two of development, you're going to be ready to fly. Um, so he was 15 when he ran these times as a junior. Should have been a sophomore. That would put his 110-meter hurdles time um, in the top 15 nationally. That's public school, private school, 1A, 6A, doesn't matter. One of the 15 fastest sophomores in the country, 110 hurdles. Top five in the state of Texas. Um same deal, any classification, 1A through 6A, private school. His 300-meter hurdles time would have been the 13th best nationally for sophomores and third best in Texas. So he's not going to turn 18 until he is on campus for a week his freshman year, which is a full year from now. But I'm super excited about this guy. Like we talked about Michael Dingle, Justin Horn, two track stars to play inside linebacker, and you put a guy like this in the secondary And they've recruited speed at several different positions, but I am just jacked to see these dudes two, three years from now, when you put all that speed and development together, put them on the field on the same defensive unit, what that could look like. It gets me really excited.
1: Is there a – like when you're looking at track numbers, is is hurdling like directly compatible to what you do on the football field? Because it seems like they're going after hurdlers a lot.
0: I think so. I mean, I think that there is value in recruiting straight line speed. But I think there's limitations to that. A lot of guys are, are track guys that, that don't really – it doesn't translate to football. But hurdles require so much coordination and athleticism beyond just the speed. Like you have to, you have to time it. You have to have good form. Um, obviously, it's a bit of a run and jump kind of. So I, I think, yeah, they, they've gotten a lot of guys that are like triple jumpers, high jump, um, hurdles. So I do think a guy that is a good hurdler – exemplifies the straight line speed that a just a flat sprinter would, but also kind of demonstrate some of that coordination, flexibility, agility that, yeah, it's like hard to look at that event and say, Oh, that's not going to translate to football because football is all about kind of cutting agility, um, you know, working around blocks on the, on the defensive side. So I th- I think clearly they do not just value the strict speed that they can measure on. This is your 40 time. This is your hundred time, but they, I think it certainly appears they value hurdles as kind of a a track event that translates directly to the football field.
1: Fair, and I I can see that because they're going after these hurdlers. You got three in a row there that you just mentioned, um, all high level. And there has to be something about being athletic and running hurdles and also being fast.
0: Yeah, and like the what's so impressive about those times you know, third fastest when you cut it this way or top 15 nationally when you cut it that way. A lot of those guys that are running those top five, top 10 fastest times, they're just sprinters. Like they would have no chance on a football field because they're not big enough because they've never played before. They don't have the hand-eye coordination to be a receiver or a defensive back. So to have two linebackers from this year's class that are running elite hurdles times like I'm not talking a two sport athlete like oh he's a football player and he's pretty fast too like they could have gone D1 as hurdlers if they wanted to and, and Dingle, yeah Dingle did yeah um but like again this kid was 15 and was an all-district football player at the 5A level and he's 63 and if he wanted to he could be a D1 track star like at the Power 5 level so i think sometimes coaches get fascinated with speed and they reach on track guys and try to make them football players i don't think that's what Justin Horn, Michael Dingle, and Malika Scarra are. They're really good football players that are also, if they want it to be, could be Division I track athletes. So it's, it's a scary combo if they can put it all together.
1: All right, I do want to talk uh, Air Raiders, but there are a lot of Air Raiders questions in the mailbag. So I think we can pull some double duty there. Okay. You ready for it? Yep. All right, let's do the mailbag the so diversified lenders mailbag brought to you by diversified lenders turn your accounts receivable into cash i won't play the bed because kyle hated it
0: i was gonna say are we already giving up on that
1: well you didn't like it i'll have to i'll have to re redo it i, d- I didn't say i
0: didn't like it i just thought it might have been a little bit long but you didn't think so
1: no i didn't I, you know i'll play it okay. <laughs>
2: got mail
0: mail time,
2: mail time. Mail time. the mail here come
0: on i found these in my mailbag well it's time to
2: reach into the old mailbag here enjoy reading the fan mail don't read it all at once
0: any
1: mail
2: for me you don't have a tic-tac do you do i get any mail no why
1: not honey do you recognize any of those movie quotes no or any of the songs at the beginning No Blue's Clues? You don't watch Blue's Clues yet?
0: Yeah, I guess I got that one.
1: Oh, we got a boo from the audience? I'm sure
0: it's it's directed for me.
1: Yeah, I'm sure it was. Did you look at your watch to time that?
0: Uh, No, I don't know how to time on the watch. I
1: thought you were looking at your watch to time it. You don't know how to time on your watch. What kind of watch do you have? A timer. What?
0: I don't have like a time where I could say that took 14 and a half seconds, or at least uh, if I do, I don't know how to use it.
1: It's a digital watch.
0: Yeah.
1: First question in the mailbag, according to a reliable source, last time athletic supplier negotiations came around, Nike was not interested in supplying to Texas Tech. If you are Kirby Hokut, what are your major... ...from Nike or Adidas?
0: You could add a little bit. If I'm Kirby Hokut, what...
1: What is your major selling point to elicit a competitive bid from Nike or Adidas? I think the Adidas one is really easy.
0: I'm I'm so all in on Adidas at this point, specifically Mahomes branded. I think that's your pitch. You tell Adidas you you, you request a meeting with Adidas head of merchandise partnerships or whatever, and ask Mahomes to attend as well. Say this guy is in our ring of honor. He wears the double T when he's training. We want to put his alma mater. Next to the Mahomes logo, next to the Adidas logo, when he's working out, when he's on TV, and also when we're on TV every weekend, and that's what you do. It doesn't look the value in that comes from just being aligned with Mahomes. So you don't need to split hairs on oh, well they give us three million dollars a year, they give us five and a half million, whatever the delta is there, it's worth it to just be aligned with Mahomes. So don't worry about the cash, just get Adidas and Mahomes, and whatever, if even if it's free, if it's zero dollars, you take that. In my opinion. Agreed.
1: And uh the golf stuff you could do with Ludwig Aberg on the tour as well. Yeah. Makes sense. It tracks. Uh what's your favorite minor league baseball promo that you've attended? Have you attended some minor league baseball?
0: Yeah, but I don't not for a special promo.
1: Being in Lubbock, uh, you don't have the opportunities. I've gotten some bobbleheads. Got a Saudi's bobblehead here. That's one of them. Taylor Trammell. Mini Bat Night was all my always my favorite at uh, Crickets Games. So I would go Mini Bat Night.
0: Didn't you go see Tatis? No, I saw it in Amarillo.
1: You Darvish in Midland. Hmm. And then Young. I, I went down to Amarillo to watch Josh Young when he was at Frisco.
0: I thought you saw Tatis in Amarillo.
1: No, that was not me. Somebody else. One of your other podcast hosts. Yeah. Outside of Rojino barbecue side dishes, what are your go-to barbecue sides? I like a good loaded baked potato salad.
0: I like homemade mac and cheese with barbecue.
1: Yeah, mac and cheese is a great one. Are you a corn on the cob guy?
0: Nope.
1: Not a corn guy in general? Corn's okay but not on the cob.
0: It's the probably the least convenient way to eat corn, so no.
1: Well, it's not about convenience. It's about uh, delicious. It is
0: very much about convenience.
1: And you, you're out on a lotte as well, even if it's in a cup?
0: Yeah. Doesn't move the needle for me.
1: It's got mayonnaise in it, so. I know you're not a big mayonnaise guy. No, thanks. If I was doing a corn dish for barbecue, it would be cream corn. Green chili cream corn. At uh, you can add any two players from the Air Raiders to this year's team. Who are you picking?
0: Tariq Owens. 100%. Maybe John Roberson. John Roberson, the guard. Talk all the time about how being old is a good thing in college basketball. He's 34, so <laughs> he's like two players out there. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd have to think about this. Well, honestly, Davide. Just a, a good catch-and-shoot guy would – th- I think that's valuable in college. Like, there's – a lot of college teams have trouble scoring, and so having a guy who could just hit 40%, you know, hey, shoot five times. Yeah. Make two of them, get to the free throw line a couple times. Yeah, that's that's valuable in my opinion. So, I might do Davide and Tariq Owens. I think Mooney would be a really popular answer there. I, I certainly wouldn't fault anybody for that.
1: I'm tempted to just say with this roster, Tariq Owens and Zach Smith just give me the two shot blockers and that's the front court and then Warren Washington can spell him uh, similar you can get one additional year of any transfer into Texas Tech any sport who you taken i again Tariq Owens i would want another year of
0: Tariq yeah he's just he's such a unique player uh, it's hard to hard to go with somebody besides him um I'm trying to think of who else you Mason Molina.
1: Transfer into Texas Tech.
0: Oh, I thought it just said transfer player.
1: Yeah, if you could get one additional year of any transfer into Texas Tech.
0: That was a joke mostly, but uh, yeah, Tariq Owens.
1: It it was hilarious. Thanks. I'm trying to think of other sports. Um, Brandon Birdsell would have been another year I would have enjoyed. Uh, Bryce Bond, and I think he could have stuck around for another year. Um, Football. Tyree Wilson. I'd like to have Tyree Wilson for another year. Um, Maybe even Muddy Waters one more year. Let's see. Colin Schooler was one of the answers here in the mailbag.
0: He'd be good for this year's football team. You could use an inside linebacker.
1: Another, the basketball tournament question. Which TBT team would win? The one on the court made up of the guys that were there or one made up of the guys that were there but not playing?
0: I don't understand the question.
1: So on the sideline, Norrence, Jarrett Culver, Zaire Smith, um, Adonis Arms, A bunch of those guys were off the court. So an alumni team that's not in the alumni team or the alumni team, which one would you take?
0: The Air Raiders.
1: I would take the team that's not able to play because Jarrett Culver, Adonis Arms, uh, Norrance. Now, Tariq Owens, I think, is the best player for this kind of thing because he's a great shot blocker. But there were a lot of players over there. Matthew Temple, Rob Lewandowski was there.
0: Explain this to me, Rob. You said Tariq Owens is the best player, certainly the best defensive player. Yeah. Among the two best three-point shooters, Mooney and Moretti, are on the Air Raiders. Yeah. So exactly what advantage does the team that wasn't on the court have over the one that was on the court? Jarrett Culver.
1: He's the best player. I said Tariq Owens is the best player for that kind of tournament because mm. he's such a an elite shot blocker, and not a lot of teams have that. But I would take my chances with the team uh, on the sidelines because a lot of them are playing in the NBA. Bryson Williams was there. Just a lot of talent on the sidelines. I think the point is you could have two of the basketball tournament teams and be good, and that's just outrageous to think of five, six years ago.
0: They should just load up on one team, though, and make a, a super team so we can win this thing.
1: I think there's some rules on uh, NBA G League contracts that you can't be in the basketball tournament, hmm. which is why Adonis Arms and Jarrett Culver and Norenz Sodiase and a bunch of those guys aren't in on the team. All right, final question. Uh, is the yearly UT hype from the media just a massive scandal to bait people into betting the over on their win total? If so, how many episodes will the next Netflix series have about it?
0: Is there some kind of conspiracy theory? I don't know. I I guess I kind of disagree with our – well, I don't know. I'm not going to say that they're, like, back, but nine and a half is – I mean, they'll, they'll lose in Tuscaloosa. It's really a matter of, like, will they win – or will they lose two Big 12 games after that? I mean, they don't have to leave the state of Texas except once or twice. So I don't know. Um, I don't know how I feel about Texas yet. I need to do more homework.
1: I just need to see them play a couple times. I, I need to see them against Alabama. You talk about t- talk to me at halftime of the Oregon game to talk about Oregon. Well, talk to me about at the end of the Alabama game about Texas.
0: I'd feel better if they had Hudson Card. <laughs> I what? know
1: you would. No, I know that's not a joke to you.
0: That's just funny. That's that- not a- Not to me. That's like statistically he was a better quarterback. And I've seen footage of Quinn Ewers throwing for like 38% in an entire game. So I know there's hype. I think their team might be good. Like they've got a good offensive line. They've got a good tight end. They've got a good receiver. Uh, They've got good good defensive front. But I don't know if their quarterback can complete a pass or not. I know he's the highest ranked prospect ever and all that crap, but like I, I saw him play football games last year and it wasn't very impressive. Fair enough. All right. Final thoughts, Kyle. Yeah. Do you want to give a shout out to Barnett Howard and Williams?
1: I would love to, but you always do it and you know what to say.
0: Barnett Howard and Williams, BHW I always want to get to these earlier, but I don't want to like interrupt the, the guest. If you make a bad parlay bet in Vegas and need to get your money back, you will not win that lawsuit. But you can still retain Barnett, Howard, and Williams for your legal services. Three double Texas Tech grads. They're based in Fort Worth but handle cases all across the state of Texas. You know what? You shouldn't be betting anyway if you live in Texas. So Barnett, Howard, and Williams will come to get you if you wager in the state of Texas. Probably not. I don't think they do that.
1: No, I don't think so.
0: If they sponsor a sports betting adjacent podcast, they probably don't do that. Unless that's like the greatest business pipeline ever built. It's like entrapment. They know who our listeners are and then they go sue you for betting in the state of Texas. No, they don't do that. Uh, They do uh, criminal defense, catastrophic injury, Title IX student litigation, one of the only law firms in the state of Texas that is certified for that kind of work. So they hope you never need them, but you have somebody strong in your corner if you do. Barnett, Howard & Williams, BHW Law Firm.com. See, the YouTube comments agree with me. I'd rather see Card at the end of the year, too.
1: I think I think he's saying on the Texas Tech perspective.
0: Uh, he had one bad pass against you last year.
1: Last Sunrise is a new name. Welcome in. Welcome to the show. Hope you stick around, comment some more.
0: He airmailed one pass that Reggie Pearson picked off. Besides that, I've as a, if I were a Texas fan, I would have no gripes with how he – played in that game. Do I want to pull the numbers so people don't think I'm an idiot? Because this is absurd. No, I... No, I'm going to. Okay. It's too late.
1: While you're doing that, uh, if you're still watching, smash that like button, hammer that subscribe button, follow along with us here on YouTube. Uh, if you're listening to the audio version of the podcast, you can always find our replays on YouTube. Uh, though we do enjoy you listening on the Republic of Texas Sorry. See, you did this to me. The Republic of Football Texas podcast. The-
0: that was still not right.
1: See, you did it. You you put that in my head. I'm blaming you. Oh, Mitchell's in town too. What's up? What's up, Mitchell? All well here. Except now we're gonna get some Hudson card truthing here.
0: So it looks like Quinn Ewers Quinn Ewers attempted three hundred passes, Hudson card one hundred. So not an equal sample size, but I think it, they're both significant. Hudson Card completed 69.5% of his passes. Quinn Ewers, 58. That's a huge difference, by the way. Yards per attempt, Quinn Ewers, 7.4. Hudson Card, 8.6. 8.6 is pretty elite. Touchdowns, interceptions, Quinn Ewers, 15 to 6. We'll call it 3 to 1, roughly. Hudson Card, 6 to 1. Quarterback rating, Quinn Ewers 132, Hudson Card 158. But I'm crazy for thinking that Texas would be better if Quinn Ewers gets hurt to have Hudson Card, a statistically better quarterback come in versus a true freshman who's never played before.
1: Nobody said you're crazy.
0: You scoffed at the notion, Rob.
1: I no, I scoffed because you even brought it up that uh, it just was funny. I was scoff- it was it was a laugh.
0: I mean, would you rather have Donovan Smith on this team than not?
1: I'd rather have Baron Morton come in second.
0: That's not what I asked. Would you rather have Donovan Smith than not?
1: Yes, I would rather have him. And, and okay, I'm so. sure Texas – I would feel better
0: about well. Texas if they had Hudson Card for when Quinn Ewers continues to complete below 60% of his passes or gets hurt. I'd rather throw Hudson Card in there than Arch Manning.
1: Do you know where Hudson Card went?
0: I think he's at SMU. No. Where did he go? Purdue?
1: I thought he went to Purdue.
0: He might. Oh, dude, he'll kill it there.
1: With uh, our our friend of the program, Graham Harrell.
0: Yeah, they'll be good on offense. I don't know if their team will be good.
1: Only one way to find out. All right, that's all I got, Kyle. Did
0: you have a final final thought? Oh yeah, let me find it. Can you stall for a minute?
1: Yeah, we got a. Just what I tuned in for there on the Hudson card, truthing, and then a hot take, Kyle. Uh, we also have it's not Chase. even a take.
0: I was literally just reading statistics there.
1: Uh, it does seem like you would start Quinn Ewers, though.
0: It seems like Steve Sarkeesian would start Quinn Ewers. Okay. As a smart person, I would start the better quarterback, and that's Hudson card.
1: Okay. Uh, could Kyle pick off Arch Manning?
0: Can I pick him off, like in yeah. baseball?
1: No, like uh, if you were playing safety, could you get
0: an oh. Um, I don't think he could throw it that far. So if I was at safety, probably not. <laughs> I mean, did he throw one beyond the line of scrimmage in their spring game? So what you're having,
1: his... so you're playing uh, nickel. Could you get oh, one to the oh, side? Oh, yeah, I would,
0: I would jump some bubble screen and house that against Arch Manning. Okay. Have you seen his high school tape or that spring game tape? Yes, I have. It's a joke.
1: That's what the people wanted, Kyle.
0: Like it's not a it's not a Homer anti-Texas take. I'm sitting here being very complimentary of a quarterback they had on their roster last year. I just go by what my eyes see and what the stats say.
1: We're at 95 minutes of us here, so.
0: And it looked like on his high school tape that Arch Manning's opponents were like paid off to not tackle him. It was pathetic. Those kids couldn't have made my JV team, and my JV team wasn't any good. Louisiana football, man. Last sunrise, did you You did say yours would throw below 60 this year. Very rare prediction. It wasn't a prediction. I said if he continues to throw below 60, I'd rather have Hudson Card on the roster than not.
1: Because he threw below 60 last year.
0: Yeah, and a 308 attempt sample size. Yeah. Did you see the Oklahoma State game? I saw it. He's bad. In, he's, like, not throwing it in the same zip code as anybody. Yeah. Now, clearly there's talent there because, like, you don't get rated a five-star and have scouts from Ohio State, Texas, everybody wanted you. Like, maybe I don't know. Maybe the switch got flipped this offseason. He was coached up. He developed into a good quarterback. We'll see. But shred- last year, I'm just, it wasn't there.
1: He's got abs now.
0: Oh, he's shredded. It doesn't matter how slowly you go as long as you don't stop mm. is my final thought.
1: All progress is progress.
0: Start, bench, cut, Ewers, card, manning.
1: Well, they started uh, Ewers, bench, manning, and cut card.
0: I mean, do we also have amnesia from that storyline last August when Steve Sarkeesian wanted to start Hudson Card and the donors told him no? Yeah.
1: I mean, I remember.
0: Pepperidge Farm remembers. But I'm the idiot. Nobody said
1: you're an idiot, Kyle. I'm sorry I scoffed at you. Well, Last Sunrise kind of said you were an idiot, but.
0: No, Last Sunrise said that I said something that I didn't say, which is. I like Last Sunrise. I think I have a hunch at who Last Sunrise is, but I don't know for sure. My gauchos hat's too far away. How's that, Last Sunrise? There you go. All right. I
1: think that's it. You have anything else?
0: No, that was long enough. All right. Love y'all.